we don't really have anything we can say about Johnny Somali anymore because he's been detained. Uh, he's going to get arrested. He'll probably just get deported. He's probably gone. He won't be coming back to Japan anytime soon. So, of course, YouTube hates a vacuum. YouTube streamers hate a vacuum. There's a power vacuum there. Uh, there's one less puckered asshole in the world. So, of course, someone else has to step in. Uh, this YouTuber had a plan to travel from Nagasaki all the way to Aomori without spending any money. So the way he did this was riding on the bus without paying the fare, which is a crime. It's illegal. He snuck onto the Shinkansen somehow and he hid in the bathroom when the guy came around to check the tickets. When they caught him, he pretended to be sick. Uh, he asked other people to pay for him, like just like harassing people who are sitting on the Shinkansen trying to go somewhere. He asked them to pay. And then he also hid in hotels and stole from their breakfast buffets. The thing that I don't think these streamers realize is they're filming their crimes. I've, Ninja News Japan now has become a foundation for giving criminals advice. And these guys should probably check something. I don't know. They should, they should realize... Filming your crimes make it very easy for the police to just wait till you've committed enough crimes. Something I had realized, something I learned about a little while ago, was that stores with self-checkouts, like they'll let you steal until you get past $1,000. So it's a, it's a felony crime now because you've stolen more than $1,000 worth of goods and then arrest you so that it's more impactful. And this is maybe what the Japanese police are doing. Like they're aware because of social media, they're aware of these crimes taking place and they just wait for you to build up enough so that they can do what they've done to Johnny Somali. They can arrest you, hold you and then release you and rearrest you and hold you and rearrest you and hold you and then send you away. Sneaking onto the Shinkansen, not paying for your ticket, not paying for a ticket for the bus. These would not be probably big crimes in America. In Japan, they are obstruction of business. Uh, I can't ding for that one because he hasn't actually been charged with it yet. But these are obstruction of business, which is the rule they use to lay everyone out. Like everyone gets screwed by this. And it's just a matter of time. I'm assuming he's either going to leave or get arrested before he leaves. But these guys get popular and they can't let go of that fame, that popularity. And then they end up just going too far, getting arrested and ending up like Johnny Smalley, which is great because then they're gone. I'm wondering how many times this has to happen before people actually start to move on to another country. Or the thing is, if they move on to another country, maybe they'll end up with harsher rules like Thailand, Singapore and stuff. Man, if I was going to go into a prison, Japanese prisons are not nice. I mean, I, I actually don't know of any place. I guess I've heard about uh, like Iceland and Finland and stuff having nicer prisons, but... I don't think there's any prison in Asia that you would want to go to like over another one. I think they all suck pretty bad. Asia still has very much that prison is punishment kind of mentality. So Japanese prisons I know are not heated or not cooled in the summer. So you're really uncomfortable all the time, which actually takes us to, uh, I guess very smoothly to our next story. This wasn't the order I had them in, but Hey, here we go. Uh, China has stopped imports of Japanese seafood because of the release of the Fukushima water. Uh, it's radioactive. They release it into the ocean. They're saying, if you're doing that, we're not going to buy any of your seafood. Uh, they used to catch 
the fish and seafood. I'm saying seafood because it's going to be mostly about shellfish. They used to catch the seafood and then send it to China directly, and then it would get processed. But now that processing element isn't happening, so they have to figure out something else. The cheapest labor they could find, prisoners. So prisoners are now going to be spending significant amounts of their time peeling shellfish or de-shucking, shucking. Is it you shuck shellfish, you shuck clams, and then I guess you peel shrimp and stuff. Anyways, they're going to spend a lot of time doing that. There are in 2022, there were 512,000 tons of shellfish that needed to be processed. That was all done primarily in China, and that's now going to be done primarily in Japan. I, I am hoping this is gross and selfish because I just would like the world to be a good place, but I'm kind of hoping that the price of fish and stuff just drops and that can become sort of a, a more sustainable food supply for me. A woman scammed her rental boyfriend out of a million yen. So... Maybe we've got to get into the concept of a rental boyfriend. This is a out service. You call, you say, hey, I want this guy to hang out with me. I will pay you 90,000 yen. I'll pay the guy 90,000 yen. I'm sure the, the company takes a cut of that. And he hangs out with you is my understanding of the concept. I didn't, I don't know how much of a sex thing this is, which is kind of what I wondered more than anything else. So the initial cost for her was 90,000 yen to get the boyfriend to come out. She never paid that. Then she borrowed 300,000 yen from the rental boyfriend to entertain what was called, quote, a rich Chinese boss. Then she started living with the man and had him pay for accommodation and meals, which added up to 700,000 yen, which is how you get a million yen. I'm a little confused and shocked as to why the rental boyfriend would give her anything. Like, I guess the idea is to keep her around so that she keeps paying you. But if she hasn't paid her initial fee, if she hasn't paid the initial rental of your time, again, I'm not sure how intertwined these two people become by the end of it, but she ended up living in his place. If I was a rental boyfriend, you would be paying me up front to come into my house. And I doubt I'd have you come into my house. I'd have you rent an apartment and we would stay there together. So essentially you'd be putting me up. I think the rental boyfriend may not have been the smartest guy in the world because I have a lot of sympathy for scammers. I got scammed once myself in the past. I know it can happen, but if your job is to spend time with someone and they have to pay you and they start borrowing money from you, you shouldn't be spending any time with them. So Shibuya has started a campaign. We actually mentioned that the mayor of Shibuya said, like, we don't want people coming here for Halloween. The last couple of years, uh, the Halloween parties got out of hand. There was vandalism. They tipped over some cars and stuff. It's anarchy. It's basically just a ton of drunk people doing dressing up slutty and doing drunk people stuff. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of vandalism. Uh, it's been escalating every year. So they decided to go to social media and do a tweet, a little video. On Halloween night, everyone should stay away from Shibuya. Some people live in Shibuya. Violence. Drinking on the street. Smoking on the street. Traffic violation. 
You can't choose how your action will affect others. You can't choose to be a victim or assailant. No smoking on the street. No drinking on the street. This is all prohibited in this area. From and until when? It's prohibited from October 27th to October 31st, during the times of 6 p.m. to 5 a.m. of the following day. Wow, they did something really weird there. They actually had, for those people who weren't watching the video, it went 18 o'clock, which is 6 o'clock, to 29 o'clock, which is 5 a.m. in the morning. They have manipulated the 24-hour clock so that it doesn't work right. That is, that weirdly to me is the most shocking. So you're not allowed to drink, you're not allowed to smoke. That's fine. They'll have cops around to enforce that. I doubt it'll be successful because if you have a million people and 100 cops, uh, the people decide what is legal and what is not legal at that point. They used an AI voice. They didn't get a voice actor. This is the demise of the voice actor for the the foreign person in Japan if they just start using AI for everything. And that's, man, there was a lot of stuff about that that was really weird to me. The 2,900 hours was the one that got me the most. Because if you're using a 24-hour clock and you get to 24 and you don't flip over, does it just keep going? Like 29, what's 30 hours? 6 a.m.? Well, then we just keep going. And then the time never ends. But the reality is the time never ends. I... I'd watched the first part of the video. I hadn't watched the whole thing, so I hadn't seen that 29 o'clock until just now. My mind is is just racing with the implications of the 2,900 hours. 5 a.m. in the morning. When do they switch over if they're going to use that time frame? That doesn't make any sense. They're trying to stop. I don't think a social media campaign telling you to stop is actually going to stop anybody. That's actually one of the big issues. Uh, Shibuya gets advertised as, like, this is the place to party on Halloween. I will be interested to see if it's less people, if it's no people, if nothing happens, if they move to another area, because what they might actually end up doing is just moving the party to another area. The problem being right now that Shibuya is so famous for partying, it would make perfect sense for every club, every person who likes to party to go there to continue the thing they've been doing the whole time they've been in Japan, probably. Since the AI voice was in that, we have the a first in Japan. I don't know. I, I was kind of looking around to see if this had been done. I know this has been done elsewhere. I know it's been done on the internet a bunch. But this is the first AI celebrity ad created in Japan. So it was an ad that ran on television and they didn't have an actress. They actually had an AI model instead of an actress. And she was promoting green tea. Uh, it's the first ad in Japan to use an AI performer. So a lot of people were like, oh, she's very pretty. I'm going to look up who she is. And then they found out she's not a real person. The drink is green tea and it's in the theme is a healthy future. Sounds good. Uh, the packaging was also created with AI. So clearly the company that was making this was like, let's integrate AI, be future conscious, uh, create a healthy future thing is how many people didn't get to do any work which is not a very healthy future for them uh if this is if this is how it goes uh i don't know i'm a little torn on ai creating the packaging with ai said what they said was they were able to look at like 300 different designs instead of maybe one or two so they were able to look at a lot more like packaging designs 
which is fine, but that's putting a lot of artists out of work. Uh, the people who, like actresses and stuff, I don't know how much sympathy I have for them. Doing doing commercials in Japan is incredibly, luc- incredibly lucrative. So, you know, as someone who, who puts out a video every week and, and gets no money for it, my sympathy is mixed. I want people to get paid for their work, though. But I guess before that, I want people to get work. So that's maybe one of the issues I have here as you're taking jobs. But then there's computer guys, and they are getting work. This is sort of the uh, horse transition to the car, where everyone's like, oh, you're putting all these horse people out of work. But then the car industry came up in its place. We're putting all these like actors and things out of work, but then there's all these computer things are going to come up in its place. It would be a new industry creating and modifying and looking at AI jobs. I don't know. I'm at the tail end of this life wise. So I'm 50. AI is going to take over in the next couple of years. I'm going to see stuff happen, but I'm not, I wonder actually, no, the, how quickly the industry changes is an interesting question. So like, do we get more and more AI stuff? Do we get more pushback? Cause the big strike in America right now is about using AI to write scripts and all the script writers are like, we can't do this. And then it's using your face in perpetuity. Like if we, if you're a background actor and you get famous, they can actually in the contract use your face in other things because they've basically licensed your face because of when you were basically a student intern and you did a background scene. Uh, so it's companies getting greedy for sure. It's one of those things like if the companies would treat people fairly, no one would mind the use of AI because it would be supplementing work, not supplanting it, I guess is the problem. I don't know. Uh, it's not a very exciting commercial if I'm being really honest. So everything's being videoed. I guess this is a positive. I don't know. This again, technology is changing everything. Everything's being videoed. That's why we can see so much stuff though. Like we can see things happen to people or see people do things because everything's being videoed all the time. A dash cam showed a man run up behind a stationary car and do what they were calling a flying kick. Uh, He dented the car. The car was only one week old. So the owner of that car, man, that's painful. Uh, He called the police. The guy was arrested. He then admitted to doing it, but they didn't give a reason. And I was like, oh, what? Why? Why did you see the car and just think, like, this is my opportunity to run up and just kick a car as hard as I can? Uh, That's a bit insane. I'm betting he goes with stress of some sort. The same week... There was a man sitting on the train with a box cutter, so like a razor blade cutter thing, and he was just cutting the seats on the train, and he was arrested for that, and they were like, why did you do it? And he said, I was trying to relieve stress from work. I kind of understand that sentiment, but I don't see how these crimes, so like vandalizing seats on a train or kicking a parked car, how does that really relieve your stress? Because you still have to go back to work. The core, this is it. It's looking at what is the stressor in your life. And if the stress in your life is work, cutting up the seats on a train, kicking a parked car, isn't going to relieve your stress. So you're not dealing with the source. You're kind of dealing with a symptom. Like I feel stressed. I'm going to get that stress out. But then I have to go back to work, build up more stress. I got to cut more seats on my way home tonight. Like it doesn't make any sense. This is, because this is such a common statement, I did this bad thing, A, because of stress from work. Japan's either going to have to start dealing with it. We've had this conversation a million times that the work culture in Japan needs to be adjusted or changed or fixed or something uh, in the next 
generation. Otherwise, everything's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Uh, but things might have to get worse before they get better. I don't know. I don't know how uh, I feel about that. <laughs> I'm a little torn. I feel bad for the guy whose like, weak old car got a big dent in it for just because some guy was probably stressed out. The Nagoya mayor is giving a speech. We've done a couple of uh, politicians giving speeches and, and getting not thinking through their statements. This is interesting because this is a guy who made a statement, thought it through, was like, shit, I should not have said that and tried to backtrack it. Usually it's say something, people point out it was wrong because, of course, a lot of these old politician guys, they don't think they ever can do anything wrong. People point out it was wrong and then they do like a false apology. The Nagoya mayor was giving a speech and they were talking about like documents and stuff and they're like, you know, government buildings are open less than business hours, how are people supposed to come and get important documents? And the Nagoya mayor said that wives certainly have the time to pick up official documents on weekdays. So we don't need to be open late into the night. We don't need to be open on weekends because wives have this time. Uh, The actual question was, shouldn't we be able to print important documents at a convenience store? In Japan, they have that kind of thing. (laughs) Jay just put in, is this the same Nagoya mayor from a few years ago? He sucks. Uh, I do believe it is. I actually didn't check carefully enough. So I have to be really honest. I'm not 100% sure. I think it is the same guy. Uh, This is the same guy who some medalists came in and he took the medal and then he bit it. And then if you want to give him some credit, when everyone called him out for biting the medal, they're like, dude, it's coronavirus. This is terrible. Don't do that. He paid to have a new one made. Uh, But at the same, and he was saying like, I was overwhelmed. The follow-up, he says... Uh, wives can go and pick up official documents. So he's showing this very sort of traditional idea of what the family unit is and what people do. And he's not taking into consideration the changes in the world around us. Uh, So the reporter says, what about single mothers who don't have time off? Uh, And he said, that's the national government's fault. So somehow he's blaming single the single mothers not having enough time to go to a, an official building, like a government building during work hours as the government at large's fault that they should figure that out when really being able to print off your documents at a convenience store actually is a very good, very cheap, very good solution for this kind of problem. He should have actually said, okay, so I'm going to put myself in that position. I'm the Nagoya mayor and he's very against tying uh, documentation to the my number card. So this is actually, I think, the core issue of what's going on here. And someone says to me, like, why can't you do that? You go, oh, I, you know, that's an interesting idea. I'll take that under consideration. And then you don't answer the question. I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I'm saying I'm going to think about it. And then you don't answer the question. You move on. No controversy. No me getting in trouble for being uh, part of the patriarchy or misogynistic or any or old-fashioned or any of the things that politicians get in tr- trouble for. All you have to do is not give your opinion and say, I'll think about it, and then move on. And people would figure out really quickly, like, that. you ask him any question that he disagrees with, he'll just say he thinks about it. And then either they'd stop asking me tough questions or they'd try to nail me down. It'd be an uh, interesting little rodeo there. Later, in the same conference, in the same speech, he started backtracking. And he goes, uh, you might be able to take my words. Uh, I want to take my words back because it could cause a misunderstanding. And I think the problem is no one ever misunderstands the words. He said it could be construed as a miscommunication, not what he meant. But halfway through, imagine you've done a meeting. You've made a statement. You're very confident in your statement. You move on a little bit and then you're like, 
oh, wait, they're going to get me on that. And then you try to roll it back. That is not going to work out for you. Um, so he's got been called out on this. He's an old man. This is it. We got to just get old people out of government. I think this is the same problem America has right now. Imagine failing how to talk like a politician one-on-one. It's, it's weird. Like my belief is that all the problem with all these guys is that they're too old. Um, and they need to retire. And the retirement age for public officials should be the retirement age. So if the public officials retirement age, have they've set it um, at 65, that should be the end of their career. So let's say I get elected at 65. That would be my last term of whatever I'm doing. So if I become president at 65, I can go until I'm 60, was it four years in America? So 69, and then I finish. And you can make jokes about being 69 when you finish. But... These guys who are in their 70s and 80s, like in Japan, and the, the president, actually, like all the presidential uh, candidates, all the serious ones, they're all in their 80s. These guys shouldn't be running government. Uh, what was the guy who froze up? Mitch McConnell. He's frozen up like two, three times, just like stood there blankly. I had that happen to me for the first time. <laughs> See, Jade gets it. I'm frequently 69 when I finish. That is the joke I'm saying that we could put out there in the world. We could build jokes into our government and then everyone would be happier. But, no, nah, I've lost my train of thought because I'm now thinking about Jade doing a 69. <laughs> I'm sure I had a really salient, cogent point and it's gone now because of a 69 joke, which is kind of how the joke should go. But yeah, if there's a retirement age, I think politicians should be held to the retirement age because they set the retirement age. And they set it at 65 or whatever. I mean, if they decide to up it to 70, then it's hard to argue with the retirement age being 70. The last story, creepy guy story. It's not as bad as the other creepy guy stories, but it is still pretty bad. Uh, 67-year-old junior high school coach. All right, there you go. I don't, do I have to finish the story? 65-year-old, 67-year-old junior high school. You just put those in the same sentence and you know it's already bad and gross. Uh, he's coaching track and field. And he said to, this is, this, it's the context I'm having trouble with. Junior high school coach, track and field, already gross. So the context for this is difficult. Because he said, there's a male student, and he says to the male student, if you get a really good score on your exam, I will be so happy, I will hug her. So there's a female student on the track and field team that he has threatened, has promised to hug. So I think what's happened is he's like, there's an attractive girl. This is now me doing some assumptions. There's an attractive girl on the track team. And he's talking to a boy and he's making a joke and he's saying, if you do really good, I'll be so happy. I will hug her. That could be played off as a joke. Like, ha ha ha, because she's so attractive and everyone loves her. I will be so happy I will get out of my comfort zone and actually sexually assault this child. Which, you know, again, in some context as a joke, I could actually see that coming off. But in this situation where he's talking to a group of high school kids who don't have the same level of authority or social power, he's now threatening this little girl, basically. So he was reported. Some of the other students reported him. 
he was questioned and he said, I meant I wanted him to get a good grade. I was just joking. Uh, but the students said it was disgusting and they were very put off by it. And they should have been. And this is it. There's a difference between, like, if I made that joke in my social group, it might be okay if I play it off. If I know my friends and I know the people I'm talking to, I could play that off as a joke. If I'm a teacher in and amongst students, that does not play off. That does not work. So that's maybe where this 67-year-old man fell apart. Uh, he did the right thing. He was told he was going to be suspended, and he's like, I'll just quit. I, I mean, I'm obviously not going to be able to rebuild this relationship now. So that, because he kind of did the right thing after, like, look, I've ruined this relationship. I'm going to stop, makes me think he really was just joking. He just wasn't very good at jokes, which is another problem with older people. Because I can make jokes, and I know my younger coworkers won't find them funny. Because I'm using jokes sort of from my mindset, from my age group. Uh, my jokes may be being outdated or more sexist than is acceptable in modern times or more offensive than is acceptable in modern times. So knowing your audience is the biggest part of making a good joke. I recently had to do a speech at work and I did a fairly good job. I made some good jokes, but I had to be very conscious of what I was saying and who I was saying it to because I'm really speaking to the most sensitive person in my company. And if I can not offend them, I'm doing a good job. Whereas I'm out drinking with like my three or four closest friends, I can basically say whatever I want and they all know what I actually mean, even if I don't express myself very well. 